Chapter 1. I should have changed the channel, or at least turned down the volume. Instead, I sat on the edge of my couch, hypnotized by the woman's voice. ESPN was showing highlights from a past Chicago Bowl. My lips were in a flat line as I watched the replay. The football soared through the air, a tight spiral, a throw I'd perfected over 15 years. It came down in my wide receiver's hands. After shaking off one tackle, he crossed the goal line for a touchdown. I closed my eyes, bracing for the announcer's proclamation, the words forever etched in my memory. Tyler Reynolds has orchestrated a last-minute touchdown drive to lift Central Illinois over Wisconsin. Unbelievable! CIU has won the Chicago Bowl. Who is this guy? He came in for an injured Eric Xavier, and wow, that's all I could say. It was all I could watch. I turned off the TV. I tried to anyway. I mashed the power button on the remote, but it wouldn't turn off. Off! Turn off! I yelled, rising to my feet. The ESPN anchors looked back, smiling, taunting me. I collapsed back onto the couch. It didn't matter. After a quick minute, they were done talking about me. I was old news. They had moved on. Finally, I was able to turn the TV off. I sat in silence for several minutes until my phone beeped. I swept pizza crumbs off my CIU football t-shirt and picked up my phone from the coffee table. It was a text from my friend, Mike Schwartz. Still on for the barnyard at 7? Need to talk to you. I'd almost forgotten that I was supposed to meet Mike for dinner and drinks. I was tired. Hadn't slept well. I didn't feel like drinking, but we hadn't seen each other in a while. Need to talk to you. It sounds like a message from a girlfriend, not your best friend. He could have meant anything, but I was bracing for the worst. My CIU shirt would draw unnecessary attention back in my hometown, so I ditched it. It wasn't like I'd be able to avoid the attention, but the shirt would be a constant reminder to everyone. A reminder of what I'd lost, what I could never recapture, of how I'd let everyone down. Thirty minutes later, I was sitting at the bar with Mike, trying to shield myself from the onlookers, trying to make myself small. We hadn't said much, but that was about to change. How's Brittany? he asked, abruptly, his eyes trained on the liquor bottles behind the bar. Good, I said. She's good. We're good. Ty, he said. We need to talk. About what? Mike was silent for several seconds. Well, I asked. Brittany. He took a deep breath and exhaled. I don't think you should keep seeing her. What? His steel gray eyes finally met mine, then dropped away. It doesn't seem healthy. Some of the things you have said about her, maybe I've misunderstood you. I hope I have. But you really need to... Never mind. I thought hard, trying to take everything in. My initial thought was that I'd misheard him, but I knew that was impossible. He had been clear. He had repeated his concern. He'd even stressed it. This is insanity, I mumbled. The bartender, Carly Campbell, handed us two appetizers. Spinach, artichoke dip, and fried pickles. This isn't easy, Mike said after she turned away. No, this is unbelievable. Spoke softly. Raised my voice. It's bullshit. Curious glances shot our direction. I had a crowd, just like the good old days. All eyes on me. You call me up here just to drop this on me? Mike held steady. 
I don't think she's good for you. I might be wrong. I hope I am. Ridiculous. I didn't know what else to say. I took a long, final drink of my beer and slid the glass away. I nearly misjudged my strength as the glass came inches from toppling over the other side of the bar. Can I get another Bud Light? I asked. My heartbeat had returned to a semi-normal state. Springsteen by Eric Church played on the jukebox. Mike, perhaps at a loss for words, plunged into the food. He spooned a hearty portion of the dip onto a blue tortilla chip. I was falling into another daze until I heard the crunch of his teeth shatter the chip to pieces. Destroyed. Annihilated. Never the same. Carly placed the beer in front of me. Two fifty, she said, flipping her hand through her bountiful blonde curls. I floated back a five-dollar bill. She gave me a concerned look before tending to four presumed golfers who had just arrived, probably chased off the links by an approaching storm. If Mike wouldn't have said anything else, maybe the night would have ended differently. There was plenty of alcohol behind the bar, all of our favorite songs on the jukebox. It could have been like old times. We could have talked about football and all the ridiculous shit we used to get into. Then maybe the summer wouldn't have unraveled the way it did. The insurmountable pain, the deaths, but no. Mike juggled the dynamite. I have one question, he said. About what? Brittany. I tried. I really tried to control myself. Of course it's about her. You just can't leave it alone, can you? My limbs shook as I talked. It's like you want me to suffer, I added. You don't understand what I'm trying to say. She's not the same girl, he said. I'm trying to help you. He rubbed his hand along the bar, his stubby fingers trailing the smooth edge of the wood grain top. This is ridiculous, I scoffed. Mike placed his hand against his forehead and let out a long sigh. I took another pull from my already half-empty beer. I tried a few fried pickles, but my stomach turned. A flicker of lightning appeared through the back door. Mike's eyes were cold and distant, yet he seemed poised to launch another attack on my relationship. Suddenly, he made a fist and brought it down to the bar in a crash. The percussion of his hand against the bar corresponded with a thunderclap. Carly looked like she wanted to ask us about our food, but she must have thought better of intervening. Her bulging blue eyes looked like they might pop out of their sockets. You need to get a hold of yourself. Cut this girl loose before it's too late, Mike yelled. He never yelled. This relationship isn't healthy for you, his voice cracked. It's not good for anyone. I looked past Mike, diverting my eyes to two middle-aged women who had just entered the bar. They hollered to Carly for a round of shots as they made their way to the jukebox. Tonight would be their attempt at reliving their wilder years, hanging onto a pass that threatened to slip away into the abyss. I finished my beer and directed my attention back to Mike. I stared into his eyes, trying to manipulate his thoughts or read his mind. Not sure which. I didn't say anything. He took a drink and added, I can see this relationship destroying both of you. Ty, she's toxic for you. I threw my hands in the air, surrendering. Screw this. I took off for the door. Mike tried to grab my arm, but I wriggled free from his grasp. Go fuck yourself, I said. Mike took off behind me, sending his bar still crashing to the ground. The metal of the bar still hit the cold concrete, sending a high-pitched reverberating shriek throughout the bar. Everyone looked, including the two women, now sitting at the bar. Concern overtook their previous laughter. One whispered to the other, and they both forced sympathetic smiles. I tried to smile back, but it probably looked more like a scowl. 
Now outside, I spun on my heels as Mike burst through the door behind me. We were now face to face. Ty, please just listen to me. I don't know what your problem is. I'm in love with a great girl, but for whatever reason, you're suddenly not impressed with her. My heart pounded through my shirt as I spoke. You live in your perfect fantasy world. I have one thing remaining in my life. One thing. And now you're trying to take her away from me? Well, you're trying to convince me that she's not good enough for me? Or am I suddenly not good enough for her? It's like you're trying to kick me while I'm down. To keep me under you for some reason. Ty, I don't want to kick you while you're down. Believe me. I didn't want to say anything, but I felt like I didn't have a choice. Mike looked above into the clouds. I don't know how to tell you this. I can't believe that you don't see the difference. The thunderstorm made its final approach. The leading edge of the dark shelf cloud overtook the town of Gentry. Increasing winds rustled the leaves on the trees across the street. The scent of a purifying rain hung thick in the air. A couple raced from their parked car, seeking refuge in the barnyard. Lightning lit up the sky once more. Our time was running short. I know, I said softly. His eyes shot wide. You know? Isn't it to be expected, though? I asked. Of course she's different. She's not the same Brittany Boyer I met back in high school. But I'm happy with her. And maybe I was trying to kid myself. I didn't want to hear someone else say it. I became defensive. Mike looked hard in my eyes. But if you know she's not the same Brittany Boyer, how could you believe? Never mind. How could I believe what? He shook his head. How could you be so into her? I stared at him. He couldn't leave it alone. I wanted to hit him. Instead, I just got in his face. Hey, I'm not listening to this anymore. So what? Britt is struggling. So am I. That's okay. Not every relationship is perfect. If you ever had a relationship, you might understand that. Okay then, Mike said. Fire extinguished. Guess I'll talk to you later. I should have stopped him, but I didn't. I watched him walk down the sidewalk with his head down shaking it from side to side. Another powerful clap of thunder added some pep to his step. I watched as the leaves and branches intensified their frantic dance. Sporadic large drops of rain came down for a few seconds before the storm unloaded. The rain came down in sheets, guided by the accompanying wind gusts, punishing the side of my face.